Okay, that's the end of the Denmark-Australia game. It's day eight, I believe, uh, and a 1-1 draw, which is what Alex predicted weeks before the game. Um, Christian Eriksen scored a Denmark goal, as much as we would expect, and Jednak scored a penalty for Australia, also probably the most likely thing. Um, that we could talk about the VAR decision, because that was a bit odd. I think it was wrong, but also that's quite boring. So maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Well, I don't see why he gave him a yellow card, irrespective of it. His hand prevented the ball from going toward the goal. Yeah, but if you ha- if you're de- decreed to have handballed it, you have to have a yellow card. That's the rule. Is it the rule though? Yeah, oh yeah. If you handball it, you get a yellow card. But because because if they're giving a foul for a hand handball, that means they think it's deliberate. Right. And it's a yellow card every time. Well, that's stupid. Yeah, because I don't think it was deliberate. I don't see how that can have been deliberate. And also, the key thing in the rulings that they were talking about at half-time was the third third thing to consider, which was that a hand in an unusual position... Yeah, unnatural, that's An unnatural yeah. position isn't, on its own, an indication of there being having been a foul. And I think he was just raising his hand to jump. Also, well, the also, ball wasn't even going towards the goal. Well, it, no, it was at that... It was before his hand... It wasn't before it. he headed it. It was going wide. Before, well, it went from his, from his head. Yeah. If the, if the, it hadn't touched his hand, it would it wouldn't have gone towards the goal. It was going wide. Okay. I mean, it was all wrong. I, I think I think the idea of an unnatural position is kind of perverse as well. Mm. I mean, anyone who's played sport knows that. You know, you end up physically in all sorts of weird positions. You can. Mm. Yeah, when you're trying to leverage, balance, get jump higher. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if you're jumping, it's it's quite a natural thing to sort of put your hands up in the air first to try and get that Mm. counter movement. Or if you're trying to balance once you're jumping, to yeah, it it did it did seem harsh. Look, I'm happy as you say. I predicted a one or draw before this. So well, the the thing I suppose anything. Yeah, I suppose anything really to say about the VAR that's interesting about it, other than it being a bit annoying at times, is that it is exposing um, how silly some of the rules are. And it, and it will do, I suppose, because these rules were written for human eyes. Um, and determining whether something was done on purpose or not, I suppose it's similar to uh, situations in which there's been a simulation. Determining whether something was done on purpose is, I mean, basically impossible... Completely. Uh, so it's an it's an it's yeah. But also, I suppose I mean, just exposes how silly some of the rules are. VAR is supposed to, as far as I'm given to understand it, and and let's be honest, I'm not pretending to be intimately acquainted with every rule of association football. But VAR is there to redress clear and obvious errors. Yeah. So stuff like mistaken identity or where a goal should be ruled off for something and to me there was nothing clear and obvious about not giving a penalty there so it seems like an odd one even to have referred when a decision's pretty much 50-50 if not swaying towards not giving a penalty being the correct decision Mm. that seems like an odd moment to go back to VAR Say okay, well, how? Well, they review every every scenario anyway, and also I think they can get in touch with the referee. Yeah, and they say can. They, think. they can, but that should only be to overrule yeah. a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I obviously, there one. are there are going to be certain things that that I think a referee, say for example, 
you know, the, the play's up the other end of the pitch and a defender punches a striker in the kidneys mm. and the referee's got his back turned to it because the ball's at the other end. I think VAR rightly can refer that. That guy punched that guy. Exactly, mm-hmm. because, you know, while it's not a clear and obvious error because the, the referee's not even in a position to see it, I think mm. VAR can flag that up. Yeah. But What's annoying me mostly about it, um, and I, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't want to... Um, prevent these sorts of uh, systems taking over I think it's inevitable and hopefully it'll make the game better and fairer and whatever um, but the inevitable has already begun which is that players rush over to the ref and make the television sign with their hands yeah. and it's incredibly annoying to well, watch. Well it's, it's the new um, waving the imaginary card mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm. and, and it, it's actually because it's because it's a bigger gesture, it kind of mm. seems even more absurd. To well, it, Cristiano Ronaldo was on his knees doing it the other night. Right, yeah. <laughs> he needs, yeah. And you just think, oh, but it takes it, on, the thing yeah. is, it takes authority away from the referee, and it gives the players yeah. the right essentially to go. You don't know what you're doing. You couldn't possibly see that because this other system exists. Therefore, you're infallible. <laughs> uh, you are you are fallible, and we should go uh, to the gods. And I it's suppose quite annoying. VAR is one of those things where I mean, look, I've watched a lot of rugby and I've worked professionally around rugby commentary before, and obviously it's a long-established part of that game. Yeah, um, it's also used successfully and has been for a long time in cricket to mm-hmm. review LBW decisions and stuff like that. So, I, I kind of, from a from a sort of recent heritage point of view, having seen it work very well in other sports, mm-hmm. I'm quite comfortable with it. I suppose the problem with the, with all those sports you just mentioned though and including things like tennis as well is that there are frequent natural breaks to play. Yes. And they just aren't in football and and so the situations that we've seen go um ignored by well for want of a better term ignored by VAR are the situations in which uh an, an a scenario plays out mm. but then play carries on for what, 11 seconds or whatever it is and then they can't go back and review it. I mean with rugby it's pretty natural uh, pauses in the game are quite natural tennis and cricket even more so the, the other point I was going to mention though is that with all of those sports and this is absolutely not one of those incredibly tedious yeah. you know oh, rugby's played by gentlemen football's played by thugs thing because that only idiots think that Sure, but the position of the referee or in cricket and tennis the umpire yeah. by and large is significantly more respected yeah. in in those sports and it's incredibly unusual to see players surrounding mm. a rugby referee or a cricket umpire and demanding certain things and indeed with cricket you know it's a question of a decision occurs and the team have the opportunity to ask politely for a review within mm. a 15 second period in cricket do they have an do they have a maximum number of reviews they can ask for so it's tennis is three isn't it for yeah in, in, in cricket uh it's it's three and if you like in tennis if you get the review correct yeah, you if, keep it if yeah if the umpire's made a mistake okay. you keep it yeah. but also in cricket they will review without being asked that right. they can review things like um whether a fielder has touched the boundary rope when trying to save a boundary that kind of stuff right. so just really to clarify Are they not things allowed to touch are, the rope if a part of the fielder's body is in contact with the rope at the same time as it's in contact with the ball... Counts as a four. Then it counts as a four oh, or, wow. or a six, yeah. All these things I'm learning about cricket. The point being that there it's either a thing that just very quickly and automatically happens in the course of play yeah. or it's a thing 
that's sort of politely requested, mm-hmm. and there isn't a culture of, of haranguing a referee into second-guessing themselves. Mm. Unfortunately, that is something that is prevalent in football and has been prevalent in football for as long as I can remember watching it. Yeah. And so this just seems another opportunity for that to at least be asked for. And yeah, yeah. For referees to think, oh god, and you know, maybe I should check that. Maybe I'm, and it, like you say, if it's eroding the confidence of referees and their own decision making ability, it's a really hard job. Yeah, like I would hate to be a referee. Mm, imagine. So I, I, you know, I kind of feel like in that regard, it's, it's not even. It it's needs just eroding the authority. It's a smoother process in some yeah. sort of way than it currently. It, it just feels a little bit haphazard at the moment. Well, look at that. We talked about it anyway. Um, I'm going to talk about the, well, I'm not, but we're going to talk about the Denmark-Australia game. And I'm going to go to Philippe first, uh, because I said instantly, as the whistle blew, well, that was quite boring. And you said, was it? And then you also said, uh, and maybe this is a good starting point, that perhaps France's sort of doggedly fought win the other day wasn't quite as bad as as we thought. The Australia team uh, showed a lot of... um, well, they were very impressive again today, weren't they? No, I mean, the, the France performance was still bad. Sure, It's just sure. that it, um, I think it... Puts it into perspective. Puts it into perspective a little bit. Um, Australia bas- basically kind of took the second half from, from Denmark there and will probably consider themselves quite unlucky not to... Yeah. Not to, not to have uh, actually taken the three points, so... Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's more just for myself, I'm saying. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> As we Maybe, prepare for the France-Peru game. Yeah, I mean, we're on the... Show on Peru! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've got all the kind of moral support from from Alex there, as you can hear. Um, the moral support from last from last Saturday during the France Australia was, don't worry, for don't you can't get too upset now. Just wait until Mila Jedinak uh, pokes home the winning header or something like that. So that's kind of levels of support I'm dealing with. But um, no, I think that I thought it was quite a good game personally. Yeah. I thought that it was. Um, I thought they were there. Yeah, there are, there are enough chances just to kind of keep the eye engaged. It wasn't absolutely classic, but I just think yeah. for, you know, for, for a one-off draw, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, OK. Uh, well, Christian Eriksen scored for Denmark, Alex, uh, which, as I said at the beginning... Good is goal. A good goal. It was a very good goal. As much as we can expect, really. Um, you know, not to say that the, the Denmark team beyond him is particularly weak, uh, but Christian Eriksen is obviously the uh, the outstanding uh, outstanding player on that team. Um, were you surprised by Australia's comeback in the second half? What did you What did you make of them and the way that they, um, well, dragged the game back in their direction? Um, I mean, they 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 didn't play dissimilarly to how they played against France in terms of looking to stay compact in midfield. They defended very well again, uh, and then they looked to use their pace out wide to stretch the opposition fullbacks. Um, look for crosses in, yeah, but they are kind of looking for errors. They're looking mm. for knockdowns that can be, you know, they're, they're sort of they're they're a grafting side. Um, They'll be hoping for a Peru victory this afternoon. Yes, uh, I mean this this a draw between this two sides makes the Peru France game kind of almost more important mm. um, because again you can't really see Australia causing Peru too many problems given how Peru were definitely unlucky to lose to Denmark to the extent that I would have said they were clearly the better side Mm. and really should have won Um, so yeah the outcome of of the Peru-France game will be uh, very very interesting and I suspect a better game than this one I'll be honest I wasn't paying 
the most attention to this game no. in the world because I was preparing you? our next video. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's fine. Nor was that. I, I had my eyes on on uh, a match that I, I don't want to spoil the surprise. No, there'll be a, there'll be a couple of really good videos coming out. Soon. I think I already said it yesterday. So did you just start with my blinkered uh, analysis of the game instead? No, your analysis was great. Was, no. uh, I think what well, the video Alex is referring to is how Mexico beat Germany, which I did say at the end of yesterday's okay, podcast. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very good. I've just done the voiceover for it. A wonderful script, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we're going to come back uh, shortly and talk about the Peru-France game after it's happened. I won't be around this evening, which means that for the Argentina-Croatia game, gosh darn it, I'm going to miss it, I'm disappointed about that, uh, we will be, dis- well, Alex and Philippe will be discussing that in the morning, um, because I won't have seen it, but I'll be here to facilitate their conversation. Um, so just the two games for you today, a little bit of a shorter pod, but tomorrow, an extra long affair. How lucky you all are. Uh, right, back in a bit. Okay, so that is the end of the France-Peru game, and you can probably tell that due to the sound of cars outside. It's rush hour! Uh, but anyway, France managed to uh, seal another victory. That's six points on the board now, Philippe. You must be pleased, but you were frustrated throughout that game, much like in the first game of France. There was a lot less frustration. It was more just um, just like, stomach-knotting nerves more than yeah. anything else. Um, How do you rate their performance? Because... I didn't really watch it, but from listening to the commentary, it sounded like Peru were on top. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Which is, you know, if does that include the result? Uh, yeah, I guess so. No, no, no. I think if it's the result, probably a little bit high because they're first in the second round now. With, yeah. uh, and they will in a pretty good position to be uh, topping the group now as well. I think it would just be a draw. I think they would need against, right. um, against Denmark to do that. So, no, yep. I mean, it was, uh, I said during the game, as, as difficult as it was to watch as a France fan, it was a lot more impressive than against Australia. There was a lot more fluidity and fluency in the attack, at least in the first half. Yeah. Uh, certainly there were moments of it, even moments in the first half where they looked like they are kind of starting to control the game a bit and actually look a bit more comfortable. Mm. Um, I think if you, you know, if you can be playing a team who like, like Peru who have shown their quality over the past three games albeit it means they go home and you can get like a 1-0 win in, in that in those sort of circumstances I, I think that's anyway bit, take I, it. I think that's a, a bit of an endorsement of the French side that as I've said before could well sort of rev up against um, slightly looser teams that will allow them to play football mm, ok uh, Alex the, the French set up <coughs> slightly differently today uh, Ousmane Dembele dropped to the bench um, and on came Olivier Giroud uh, do you think it made much of a difference? I heard you uh, in jest throughout the game suggesting that uh, it's almost like France were missing Giroud in the last game. Yes, he just gives that attacking setup a focal point um, and he held the ball up well. I, I said at the beginning of that game France looked like they could get Germanied, <laughs> um, by which I meant... They seem to be committing a lot of players forwards and Peru are extremely quick and direct on the counter. Um, but Giroud allows the ball to stick up the top end a little bit more than, say, Timo Werner did for Germany. Mm. Um, 
France were geared a bit more towards playing to his strengths. Matuidi coming in on the left-hand side. When France fell back into a 4-4-2 in a defensive posture, that looked a lot more secure with Matuidi there. Mm-hmm. And he was able to add quite a lot of dynamism up that left-hand side um, that they appeared to be lacking in the first game. So I think France looked more balanced. Do you think um, they'll set up similarly when they play Denmark? Um, I think, yeah, probably, because what they'll, they'll be conscious of the fact that Ericsson is so clearly the danger man for, for Denmark that actually having um, Kante and Matuidi available in that central midfield space to try and shut Ericsson down is probably a sensible idea. Mm. Stymie Ericsson and you stymie Denmark mm. by and large. Um, but I think I think the inclusion of, of Giroud and the inclusion of Matuidi both made sense in terms of what Deschamps was doing for this game. Having said that, I'm still not convinced by the way this French team is playing. And I think for significant period... I mean, what Roy Keane said about Peru not playing properly in the second half and not looking like they were up for it, I I don't know what game he was watching, Mm. because it certainly wasn't this one. Um, And France looked really quite uncomfortable at times um, so well let's talk about Peru because this is two games and two losses now um, ridiculous against the grain really because uh, throughout both games there have been periods where they look like the better team is it a case of not being able to finish chances is it, is it a case of not creating enough chances but dominating possession what's the problem it's it's the former, I would suggest. I mean, in, in that first game, obviously, they didn't have Guerrero until, what, the last sort of 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, going into this game, uh, Carrillo, the, the Watford winger who's been exceptional this tournament, had created uh, more expected assists. Mm. We did a video on that, if you don't know what I mean, uh, than any other player so far. Um they just lacked a cutting edge and, and we said it yesterday we've said it a few times that there are quite a few teams like Morocco for example uh, like Peru who are creating a lot of good chances who are pressing well who are defending well but the absence of a really really quality centre forward mm. is the difference in these sorts of tight games and today France had Giroud um, with his hold up play with his ability to bring other players in uh, and Peru didn't really have the same sort of quality up front. Mm. Um, let's play a, let's play a little game then. How about this? Go if on. you could choose a, an international striker from another country and repatriate them, is that the right word? Yeah. Repatriate <clears throat> them to be uh, Peruvian. Uh, who would you choose I'd tactically? Ch- I'd choose the best striker in the world. No, at the no, moment. that's that's not fair. You have I'm going to gonna tell you who that is. Yeah. Who is it? It's Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay, right. But let's let's say. I, I, what I mean is for the for the particular system that Peru play, who would be ideal for them up the top end there? Because um, Guerrero is quite a um, physical striker, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's he looks he's a mean looking bastard, isn't sure, he? Sure. Um, yes, I th- look. They just need they they need that little bit of yeah. The really really good players in any sport are the ones who seem to manufacture additional time and space for themselves, whether yeah. it's through movement, whether it's through understanding, whether it's through a skill set that allows them to create that for themselves. And Guero 
Guerrero, he's a very good striker. He's a talismanic figure for Peru. But you can't say with the amount of chances that they were creating. And they weren't shooting wildly from outside the box. They didn't against Denmark and they didn't today either. Um, This is not a team being kind of fended off and trying to pepper the opposition goal. Mm. They're they're working good chances. Uh, I don't know whether it's because Guerrero lacks a certain mobility or... uh, it's uh, it's difficult to say, um, but for me, the best striker in the world currently is Cristiano Ronaldo. I think someone like Harry Kane, who moves off the ball really well, mm. and yet also seems to have that ability to to crop up. Ryan Sessegnon, sure, <laughs> he's, no, I'm pretty sure he's a left back. <laughs> he's a really good striker. Yeah. Why not? Okay, well, that was a fun little game. Um, I'm going to have to cut this short because I have to leave in a moment. But uh, we'll be sad to see Peru go, I'm, I'm sure. I'm really of it. sad. You I'm... described them as potentially the best team to go out uh, in the group stages, well, depending on what happens, over, or certainly after the second round of games. I think in Peru and Morocco, we've lost two sides who've played really interesting, mm. intelligent football. Ah, but loss is a part of the World Cup, Alex. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and it, it's sad, but, you know, I. It's been fun to watch them, and I'm just disappointed, particularly with Peru, that that they couldn't get that win against Denmark and leave them going into the final game against Australia yeah. with something to play for. I, they totally deserve to beat Denmark. So I think that's true. I think they, they performed very well in both games. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of pleased that they've gone out, uh, just because off-air, before any of the games began, you pointed out Peru to me as quarter-finalists. So the fact that they've basically been ousted after two games despite excellent performances shows again that you were right with how they would set up and right with how they would play but wrong with the key which is the results and there, therein lies the surprise of football therein lies the magic Alex that's no, what that's, I'm trying to say that's definitely you were right true. all but for the main bit I did have a conversation in DMs with a noted um, sports analyst who also had Peru to go at least quarter finalists. You so know what that means, don't you? I'm not the only person. Bullshit. That's, what it means. <laughs> That's what it means. I'm not the only person to have cocked this up massively. No. Okay. Well, still, it's nice for me. Uh, right. Well, as I said earlier, we're going to chat about the Argentina-Croatia game tomorrow morning. I've got to dash off now, but I hope you guys uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks. Hope you do too. See you later. Bye.